Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. I invite those who are able to please stand for our first lesson. It comes from the book of Joshua in the first chapter. Listen now to the Word of God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. And I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for your Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I invite you to stand as we listen to the New Testament reading from the Gospel of John, the first chapter. <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed him in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, 
and he and we have seen his glory the glory as of a father's only son full of grace and truth john testified to him and cried out this was he of whom i said he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace the law indeed was given through moses grace and truth come through jesus christ no one has seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made Him known. The Word of the Lord. Please be seated. Karl Barth is arguably the most important theologian, Protestant theologian of the 20th century. He was a Swiss Reformed pastor who lived and taught for a while in Germany until he was forced to flee before the, per, before the, the power of Adolf Hitler, and he taught for many years in Switzerland thereafter. In the early 1960s, toward the end of his life, he came and did a, a series of lectures here in the United States at various seminaries and divinity schools, and he was asked on more than one occasion if he could summarize his theology. He wrote a, a volume called Dogmatics, and it's 13 volumes long. It's huge. Um, you scratch a Presbyterian minister today, or even a minister of any Protestant minister probably, and you're going to come across at some point with some teaching of Barth. He was a, a, a prolific and a significant person in teaching. But he was asked this question in front of, in front of a bunch of, of seminary-type folk, and, and the question was, can you summarize your work? And he said, yes, I can. In the words of a song I learned at my mother's knee, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. All of those words, all of that teaching condensed into a simple declarative sentence. Barth believed that Scripture told him about God's love and God's power and grace and mercy. In addition to which, there is another important part of that equation, I believe, and that is where he learned it. He learned it from his mother. He learned it in a relationship of trust and love. He was able to believe the Word because he believed the heart that shared it with him. Today we begin a new church program year. We are using the Believe curriculum in our Sunday school program for, from children all, all the way through our adult program. And for the next 30 weeks, or the next 29 weeks, because today started it, but for the, for the next period of time, we will be looking at this, and it's divided into three parts. What do I believe? What should I do? Who am I becoming? In other words, what's the stuff I believe? What are the teachings I believe, the doctrine? What are the practices I need to do as a Christian to follow through? And what sort of characteristics do I live? What, what is the fruit of my spirit that I seek to live in? To believe requires us to know 
a what. It requires us to know a who, and it requires us to think about the how of what we do. But as Barth said, belief is more than simply affirming a set of propositions. Belief requires saying yes in a relationship. A relationship with God and a relationship with other people, with family and friends and church folk. Friday was 9-11. It was the 14th anniversary of an awful event that occurred in the world. Some of us in this room had not been born when that happened or were too young to, are too young to remember exactly what we were doing. We may have heard stories from parents and older siblings about it. Some of us recall all too well where we were, what we were doing, who we were with as we learned about that awful time and event. 9-11 left us numb as a nation. So many of the things that we thought we knew, so many of the things that we thought about how the world worked were completely undercut and challenged as we watched over and over and over again the film image and the picture images of those planes crashing into the World Trade Center, the carnage and, and wreckage at the Pentagon, and of listening to the story of United Airlines 93. All of us are affected. Some of you may have even known people who were in one of those locations. Some of you may have connections in deep and even more personal ways than that. 9-11 left us numb as a nation. We were grieving. We were anxious. We were angry. All of that wrapped up in one event. First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, you have been through a great time of distress and heartbreak as well this year. I am not trivializing the collective impact of our national experience with 9-11 when I say this, but on April 19th of this year, your world changed in this congregation. What you thought about what you thought you knew about, your, <clears throat> about yourself and about your sisters and brothers and about the Christian world was changed by the events that happened that day and the ones that led up to it and no doubt the ones since then as well. On that day you had an election. The issue was the denominational identity that this congregation would choose at that time. Denominations exist to provide resources so that congregations may equip individuals to be disciples of Christ. That is the purpose of a denomination, of any denomination, Presbyterian, Baptist, Episcopalian, uh, Methodist, Catholic, all denominations exist to serve the churches. And denominations also exist to help offer a witness that one congregation cannot do by itself, a witness to Jesus Christ. As a congregation, as a particular church, you at First Presbyterian Church and every other church, every other congregation, local congregation, you exist 
to equip individuals to be disciples of Christ in the world. That is why we come to worship. That is why we gather to learn. That is why we do mission. That is why we gather for fellowship, to learn more and more how to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And as a congregation, as a particular group of believing disciples, you exist to do together what no one of you can do individually. So congregations and denominations are in a a mutually uh, bonding relationship. And the question was, which denomination do we choose to seek to continue to be disciples of Jesus Christ? Rules were set, process was put in place, a plan was followed, and a decision was rendered. And the result, the effect of the result was that there was no change in the denominational connection of First Presbyterian Church Columbus. But during the process, as that decision was made, positions were taken, politicking was done. Sometimes, as I have said to uh, several groups already, and I've said it to other churches as well, so you're not unique in this, but church is sometimes a contact sport. There's an elbow that's thrown, there's a trip that's made, there's some trash talk that happens. And on Sunday, as we're on Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning, or Sunday afternoon, I should say, when we're watching football, and this is the season of football, we can say, yeah! You can, you, you can see the, 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 when the players make a great play and the, you know, bravado that goes with that. And you can see them jawing with each other. And we say, yeah! But it feels really different when it happens in church. It feels different. And as a result of that, elbows being thrown, that's that trash talk happening, there was confusion. There was confusion that was sown. There was bitterness. I have heard testimony of that. And I think just as much as any of the talking heads in the sports world will say, I think that winning at all cost was prized. Winning at all cost. That is appropriate in certain times and places. We need to ask ourselves how that figures into our faith and where it figures into our faith. Maybe not everybody thought that way, but I have heard enough testimony to realize that it was. And it didn't matter which side, and it didn't matter who did it first. I'm not trying to assess blame or point figures. I am simply making a declarative statement. Stuff happened, and it hurt, and people were hurt, and you were hurt. And if we're really honest, we have to acknowledge that when that kind of stuff happens, we sometimes do the hurting. Not only may we have been tripped, but we, we may have thrown an elbow. Not only do we have people talk trash to us, but we may have returned in kind. Not only may 
someone had pointed a finger at us, but we may have pointed a finger at someone else. You remember the old adage about what happens when you point your finger at somebody else? You're pointing three back at yourself. It happened. There is a great desire in our nation, in our world, to try to return to the pre-9-11 world. And I sense that there is a desire to try to return in this church to the world before the vote. But we can't. We can't go back to those days. So the question then becomes, what do we do? Do we just sit here? How do we go forward? How do we say what we believe? How do we build trust when trust has been broken? Who can we trust? Can we trust God? Can we trust each other? Can we trust even ourselves? How? How do we do this? This summer you had a prophet in your midst. Jones Downton was a prophet. He stood in this pulpit and he said, there's an elephant in this room. There's an elephant in this church. We need to acknowledge that. We need to know that there is confusion and distrust and anger and bitterness. Yes, we need to acknowledge that. And then shortly before I arrived, he said to you, he said, we have landed. And he didn't mean that it was all over. He didn't mean that it was completed. He meant in the words that Joshua shared, in the, in the reading of Joshua, he meant that as the children of Israel, we have gotten to a new place, another place of landing where we're going to have to figure things out. Joshua announced to the children of Israel, he said to them, look, folks, we've come through the wilderness. It's been a tough 40-year slog. Now, Moses is dead, and we face a new challenge. We face the opportunity to make our home in the, in the new world. And the folks there are not going to receive us with open arms. You remember the story from the, the story of Jericho? The children of Israel marched around the, the city of Jericho seven times because the Canaanites didn't come out and say, welcome y'all. They said, go away. And the children of Israel said, no, God has called us to this place, so let us find a way to be here. And they marched around the walls seven times. And as the children's song says, the walls came a-tumbling down. After that, though, there were still tough times through the rule of the judges of Deborah and Gideon, of Samson and Samuel, through all of that time, the children of Israel were seeking to find a way to live their faith with integrity, with hope. They were trying to find a way to trust each other and to trust the, the God in the world around them. Joshua reminds them that the Word of God is that no matter where you are in this process, though, where you are in coming into the land, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened 
or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That was the claim and the hope and the trust with which the children of Israel lived out their time of coming into the new land. They were beginning again, just as we are beginning again with a new program year and a new time together. We are beginning again here at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, and we seek to find ways to move forward. One way to move forward is to use words of affirmation. And very often in worship, we will use the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed or some other statement of faith. Statements of faith are just that. They are words that Christians have gathered together to share hope and affirmation in a particular context. The Westminster Confession of Faith comes to us from the 1600s, and along with it, the larger and shorter catechism. They were words of faith that Christians in England and Scotland and Ireland put together at that time in the face of the English Civil War. God is in charge. Our king may be dead, but God is in charge. And those teachings, those catechisms in particular, were ways of teaching the faith. Some of you may have learned how to join the church by memorizing the catechism. It was an important teaching tool. But, al <clears throat> but along the way, when we have had um, times of putting our faith in statements like the Westminster Confession or one of the creeds, along the way there have been debates and conflicts and arguments about it. One of my mentors in ministry said um, on more than one occasion, he said, where there are two Presbyterians, there are at least three opinions. So I'm counting on, uh, we got a whole bunch of, uh, you, you get it, yeah, you know it. Because that's who we are. We're wordy people. We're people of the Word, but we are also people of words. And so we, we use words to describe and even here in our United States, or what was the United States, even before there was a nation, we have argued about stuff. We've argued about the words that we use. In the 1720s, that's a long time ago, it was even before Columbus was formed. In the 1720s, Presbyterian congregations from around the British colonies, there wasn't even a nation of the United States at the time. There were British colonies. They would get together and they said, we need to support each other. And they asked the question, what do we believe? And somebody said, let's use the Westminster Confession of Faith as our statement of belief. And it became a core document. But somebody else said, you know, it says in here that there's double predestination, and I'm not sure I believe that. And it says over there that there's a matter of infant baptism. 
And I'm not sure I believe what it says there. How do we do that? And so they decided that they would allow for people, ministers, to say, I believe, but I can make a case for a scruple here or there. I can make a, an adjustment. But that solution didn't last for a whole long time. But the point was that there was conflict and division. You're on this side, you're on that side. You're on the old side, you're on the new side. You're old light, you're new light. Folks, Presbyterian conversation about theological issues, you name it, is not new. It's happened. It's happened for centuries, and it will continue to happen. I have no doubt about that. And no matter what Presbyterian denomination you're talking about, PCUSA, ARP, EPC, um, ECHO, OPC, BPC, XYZ, no matter what you say, we argue about it because that's who we are. And we do that, and in doing that, we find ways of sharing what we have in common. And what we have in common is God's work in Jesus Christ. As John 1 said, in the beginning was the Word. Before we existed, before we were a glimmer, not even in our parents' eye, but in God's eye, the Word existed, Logos existed, Jesus Christ was there. And God formed out of nothing a world and gave it shape and heart and hope. And that is what we cling to. That is where we find what unites us. And it was because this revelation was shared by one who could be trusted that it came down to us and it continues to come to us. John shared with the people that Jesus Christ was coming, the Messiah is coming, life and hope will happen. And people believed it. And then it was written down and it was transmitted from generation to generation, from mother to child, from father to daughter, year after year, generation after generation, till it comes to us. And we share it not only with additional generations, but with each other. And we ask ourselves not only what do we believe, we also ask ourselves, who do we trust? How can we trust each other? I know there is distrust of denominations regardless of what name they have. Trust cannot be commanded. It cannot be demanded. Trust has to be part of a relationship that is ongoing. It must be lived. In a very real sense, we are beginning again today. We are beginning our church programs. We are asking about and taking stock of our beliefs. We are moving forward. We are moving forward with questions of uncertainty feelings of not knowing. We know there have been things said that hurt. And if we are honest, 
in one way or another, as we do every Sunday in the confession of sin, we must acknowledge that we are part of that process as well. But the confession of sin also has an affirmation in it every single week and as it does this week. This week it said, transform our lives by your timid spirit, Lord God. Fill us with a flaming desire to be your faithful people, doing your will for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to acknowledge where we have fallen short and affirm that God is not through with us yet. So we begin. What does it mean for us at First Presbyterian Church Columbus to be a church? How do we experience church and fellowship? How do we find reconciliation? How can we gather wisdom from what we have gone through? The words of Joshua will continue to ring true. Be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed or disheartened, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, you have provided light and hope in Jesus Christ. You provide a way for us to live through and to trust you and to trust each other. Build our relationships so that trust flows and life and love are shared in this place and around the world. Amen.